That being said, Titans fans, if you are desperately interested in a guy with some range, I've got great news for you. You've got that dude on the roster already. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, May the 26th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze. You can follow me on Twitter at Easton Freeze. We're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com and the 440 Podcast Network. And I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. You can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runky. JT, how we doing? What's going on, man? Yeah, nothing much. Happy Friday. It's only Happy been Friday. It's only been about a day or so since we last hopped on the podcast here, but excited for it to be the weekend. Finally have some room to breathe and just kind of chill this weekend. Sure. Um, but we do have a little bet going on during the show today. We do. Today's show, I contend, will be one of our shortest shows maybe ever since J- JT, since joining the show last fall. Have we done any show sub like 45 minutes? I really don't think we have. I, I don't think we have, no. And it may be a higher number than that. But conservatively, I don't think anything's touched 45 minutes or less. Um, I think today's might. Not because there's nothing to talk about this time of year. But today in particular, because we're kind of right off the heels of our live show post OTAs from last week. We don't have a ton to talk about. Just a couple of things here and there. I have a couple of opinions to fire off. And we'll chit-chat a little bit and just be, you know, naturally charismatic and entertaining as we always are. And then we'll get out of here. And because of that, I told you I think this is going to be our shortest episode ever by a significant margin. You thought that's funny. And based on history, the track record of, of my my guesstimations for how long a show will take and how long it actually takes. Um, totally fair for you to not believe it until you see it. But I had you, I told you, be the sports book. Set the set the line. What's the over under on how many minutes this show will take? Write it down, and then I'm just going to go about the show how I would, and we'll see whether uh, the over or the under hits. But I blindly took the under, and you naturally, I think, are taking the over. So we'll see how that goes. Just to add a little little juice to a show that otherwise is a little bit lacking therein. Um, we do have a number of things to talk about coming up, so don't don't allow this episode to discourage you from yeah. Let's okay. Hot read podcast will catch you in August. <laughs> no, no, my friend, you will miss many things, and please don't do that because we have a lot to talk about. The NFL has so kindly to us in the media, kind of really in the last five years, JT structured their whole calendar year long so that you have at least a little morsel of something to talk about each and every week, save for like a three or four week stretch in the middle of June and July when everybody in the NFL themselves are kind of on vacation. And that's an opportunity for, I guess, us to take vacation. And in that period, we're going to do a number of different human interest things, some interviews here and there, um, and then gear up for preseason talk. And in by, by mid July, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about with camp rolling around the corner. I know next week we've got two different guests um, that I've got lined up one from a local radio program here in town, a friend of mine that I've made recently who I uh, talked to the other day and we decided there was a topic we wanted to debate and discuss. So we're going to have him on the show. And then another guy who used to write here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com now is writing for other um, other other sports networks. But uh, he wrote an article the other day that I thought was fascinating worth talking about. So those two things will happen for next week's shows. And then we JT found out yesterday, I believe, or today, I forget when we got the email. We'll be back at OTAs. The media will be back at OTAs next week on Wednesday, um, I believe, off the top of my head. So we will get to see another practice. We'll get to see who is there, who is not, and do all the reporting from that. And that'll be our um, 
NFL delivered care package of, of content and material for us to discuss. So uh, either a Wednesday live show or a Thursday live show or Friday's regular show next week. Not sure yet. We'll, uh, just tune in on Monday. We'll announce what exactly the schedule for the week is. We will for sure have a show Monday morning as we almost always do. Um, so make sure to come for the show then. Before we talk about a handful of Titans things and get out of here, JT, one thing that in the Nashville sports media market and the sports world writ large right now that's being discussed is, you know, those Florida Panthers down there are How about playing, playing some good hockey. How about, How about Florida them, Panthers? Man? They're they're the eighth seed, if I'm not mistaken, right? They were the eighth seed in the tournament. They were well, they they look like the Preds when when they were the eighth seed and they swept the one seed Blackhawks that year and then marched their way away all the way to the to the conference championship. And then the, the finals, I believe was that same season. So it happens in hockey, you know, really a year that you're the hockey head, but I'm assuming that the number one by a country mile element when it comes to playoff hockey is whoever, whatever team happens to have the goalie with the hot hand usually rides him until he doesn't. Is that kind of the case with what the Panthers are doing right now? It really is. And we may have not seen a hotter goaltender down the stretch of a playoff series than we have when Pekka Ever? took them. No, we haven't seen it since since uh, the Pekka run. Since okay. the Pekka run, I mean, and that's kind of what the the Preds did that year as well. It was just riding yeah. Pekka's hot hand. Yeah. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky is on fire, man, which mm-hmm. is kind of a change from years past. He signed that mega ten year millions of dollar contract uh, about two or three years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, has been pretty abysmal. For, um, Hasn't paid that off until just now. Just now, he's he's making up for lost time by just absolutely being uh, the best goaltender on the planet right now. And that has well, listen. Rewarded... If you're the eight seed and you're going to carry them all the way to the Stanley Cup final, I'm sure some folks are going to forgive him. Yes, um, right. It it seems like now. I wouldn't say he's carrying them all the way. I think you have some really good pieces in. Um, Matthew Kachuk and uh, former Tampa Bay Lightning prospect Carter Verhege and a bunch of other guys on that team. Like they have the talent to be scoring goals and playing good defense, but I mean, they've been bailed out time and time again by Sergei Bobrovsky um, this season. And look there, I mean, we'll see tonight as we're recording this, the Vegas Golden Knights um, could sweep the, the Dallas stars and we could be already headed to the Stanley cup final um, a little ahead of schedule, a little, a little ahead of schedule. And even as we're talking about it right now, would I pick the Panthers in a series? I don't know. Against so, the Golden Knights. Okay. I, I, if it was against the Golden Knights, I don't know if I would, okay. if I'm being okay. completely honest. Well, we'll see. We'll have to see the yeah. reason I, I'm sure a number of our listeners are like, why is, why this, are we is doing this? this? Is this we do Panthers have a hockey talk. <laughs> There's a reason why we brought up the Panthers. Yeah. I promise. Um, and appreciate JT for the analysis there. Cause I could have offered none of that. I don't pay enough attention to hockey, especially when it's not the predators. The reason I bring them up is because of the predators, JT, the Florida Panthers finished the regular season with, uh, let's see how many points did they finish with exactly? Let me I believe they right. finished with 92. Uh, yeah. 92, 92 yeah. points. The predators finished the regular season with 92 points. <laughs> it's just yet another reason to be really upset. Uh, I, and I, you may not share the sentiment or maybe even aware of the sentiment, but in, in Nashville predator circles, there's a lot of disdain for the fact that they are considered a Western conference team. First of all, the yes. idea that Nashville is a Western team. Hilarious. Same way that the Grizzlies are a Western conference team in the NBA. Hilarious. It's a, it's a matter of numbers, right? Simply 
aren't enough teams out West to not include a couple Eastern teams in the Western conference, but there are a couple other NHL teams. I know from folks that actually care more about this than I do. They're like, why is that team not a Western conference team? And the Preds are, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The Preds are a Western conference team. And from what I understand, Western conference in the NHL, little better, little better than the East. Um, and disagree and so, wholeheartedly. Well, then how did, how did Nashville not get in with 92? And is it just the, the depth it, is it the concern? It, I, I think, there's probably it, there's probably a disparity. Like, I, I think if you put if you put the Nashville Predator now, real quick, something even kind of crazier to make you uh, Preds fans even more mad. They did okay. and end the season with 92 points, but both teams had 42 wins, 32 losses, and eight overtime losses. So like exact same season Identical. on both side of it. Um, but but I, my point I, here is that the Preds were in the East; they'd have been in the playoff. Well, I. <laughs> I don't. If you were playing an Eastern Conference schedule, I don't know if it, if the Preds would have made the run that they did late in the season. Okay. Um. I, I don't. I don't know if they would have been able. No. I mean, they did beat up on some very good Eastern Conference teams. A great win over Boston down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I just. It's hard for me to because I, I do disagree with you. I think the Eastern Conference is okay. the superior conference and has been. Was well, I even disagree? It's not my opinion. I don't. That's not my opinion. It's just what I thought. Clearly, I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I. I wrong, so. um, yeah, I. I think the Eastern Conference has been the most dominant conference. Now, I mean, you can look at it going past. I mean, besides last season. Um, with the avalanche beating out the Tampa Bay lightning, it's been all Eastern conference for a long time. Now you can mm. go back um, to when the, the, the penguins both won it back to back and then you have the capitals and then you have the, the lightning. Like it's been the same couple, five teams from, from the East the past couple yep. of years duking it out. Now, I mean the, the Western conference is kind of coming together, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if, if so, they yeah, I guess my question is why, 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 why did 92 points punch your ticket in the East and it didn't punch your ticket in the West? It's kind of annoying. It, it's got to be. It annoying is kind of annoying. And, and would and would they be able to go on the same run? I, I don't. I don't think so. No, I think. No, I think. I, the, they, the, they, the compar- no, no, I mean, UC Saros could have gotten. Yes, UC Saros could have got even if he got as hot as Sergey would have been. There would have been enough offense. There wouldn't. You just don't have the depth. There are a lot of injuries. Like you wouldn't. Have, you wouldn't have had the enough talent to get there. Um, but still, I mean, it, it, it's a little, it's a little bit of a, uh, makes annoying. you frustrated. Yes. So I just bring it up to annoy people. Yeah. And so now we've done 10 minutes on, uh, on hockey, um, which is I'm sure what everybody who clicked on this title is we're going to let's, 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 uh, lie to the people and not name this episode, anything related to hockey, even though it's probably going to be about a third of the episode. And then yeah. it's going to be surprised with a little hockey off the top. We will talk about go. football. Let's let's dive into the football. Yeah, let's um, talk three, about football. Three or four topics to talk about here. The first of which, the one that I'm most interested in talking about, JT, is, and we don't have a, we don't have a warm up segment today. We're just doing Titans news, and then we're getting out of here. We'll see you Monday. The first Titans news topic is the kicker situation for the Titans, which has kind of it's not really for the Titans in particular. It has not changed at all in the past. Well, well, since they signed undrafted free agent kicker Trey Wolf after the draft. That's the last change in the Titans kicker room. It's, I guess, the lack of change or the lack of interest in changing that has a number of fans and media members up in arms that I I disagree with um, certain elements of the frustration out there. I I certainly understand the frustration. And historically, the Titans, outside of a run with a couple of really stud kickers like Rob Baronis and when 
um uh uh, uh dude who i'm totally blanking on the last dc kicker they had right ryan, ryan no ryan suck up Yes, Ryan Suckup. Thank you. When Ryan Suckup was with the team uh, before he got injured, was was looking really, really good there for a couple of years. But outside of that, it's been not only a lot of nobodies coming in and out and being disappointing. Uh, no disrespect to Fat Randy, but also it's been the team not with their actions not demonstrating a whole lot of interest in getting better at a position that matters a lot in games. Can win and lose games, whether you like that about football or not. That is just the truth. It's the way that these guys um impact the game and so there's some frustration there and i understand but the news portion and jt you can probably run this down there was a pretty prominent kicker released by the denver broncos who a lot of titans fans wanted but a uh, an afc rival scooped him up yeah so it was reported earlier this week that the denver broncos released brandon mcmanus who was the was the last remaining player from their super bowl run which I was thought was really? very, in- I, I thought it was very interesting. That was the last tidbit. vestige of the 2014. Uh, yeah. Broncos? 2014. Yeah. yeah. So he was, he was uh, cut by the Denver Broncos, but then uh, swiftly picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars who mm-hmm. had a, had a guy known as Riley Patterson on their team. Who's a young kicker um, looked good in limited capacity, at least last year in the sure. off season. Right. So a lot of people, at least today on Titans Twitter, we're like, well, why don't uh, why don't we go get him or whatever? Well, well at first um, it was bringing McManus, and then yes, Jacksonville gets bringing, McManus, yeah. and it's why did you let Jacksonville get McManus? And yes. now it's bringing Patterson, and yeah. now Patterson's got a new home as well. He does. So the 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 Jaguars didn't actually release Riley Patterson, um, but traded him to the. Well, Lions. they did for like seven hours, and then they took it back. I mean, yes. let's be honest; it was announced it, for a long time that he'd been released. Yeah, um, but apparently they did not let him go they for wrote free. The check. They didn't cash the check. They decided to yes. rip up the check. Yeah, sure. Um, and they traded him to the Lions. So Patterson uh, has played for the Lions before, kicking seven games for Detroit in 2021. But once again, the Titans are out of luck in that area um, and yeah. will continue to go with the in-house options of Shudak and Wolf. So a couple of things. First of all, I do find it hilarious. It's important to note the trade compensation here is a seventh round pick for the 2026 NFL draft. Mm, That's right. going to be sitting hear, on that I one the, for a little bit. I hear, the, be... I hear the kicking depth in that draft is extremely I, deep. Sure. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a generational kicker, kicker yeah. draft. We're looking forward to it. Um, so that's funny. First of all, that I, I saw that they traded for him and I'm, I'm like, what could you possibly either? This is the worst trade in the history of sports or it's the most insignificant trade compensation ever and it was i guess the latter a lot of fans i think you can first of all you can end you can take the you can blow out the the, uh, flaming pitchforks and tiki torches we can stop the mob that was headed to st thomas sports park to demand that the front office address the kicker situation first of all because not only was right right here's my opinion if they had brought in riley patterson for a workout it had been a cool fine okay move if they had traded for him this team in this state a stage of their build team building cycle with this financial situation would have been would have been brain dead would have been a terrible horrible awful no good very bad move for them to give up any kind of compensation yes even a 2026 seventh round pick for a kicker the reason i think that, that it would be kind of a shrug move for them to bring in a patterson or mcmanus i thought the same with mcmanus or 
um, any other veteran kicker, anybody else that is a known commodity in kicking circles in the NFL. The reason why I am not, again, it's it's a kicker position. So if they had gone and, and found, who, who's the guy that San Fran released early in the offseason? Um, uh, Robbie Gold. If they'd gone and like grabbed Robbie Gold to be a, 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 their kicker this year, would I have been like, ah, terrible move, all up in arms, full full hair on fire, radio shock jock. I can't believe that. No, it's, you know, cool, fine. Because what do you pay at the top kicker? JT, look up what, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure just well, the mean, highest paid kicker, but who, what's, what, what's the highest cap hit out here for a kicker? Like $3 million, $4 million I'm, tops? I'm, I'm not really sure what the top, I mean, I'm sure Justin Tucker, I could look up um, what he is getting paid right now, but at least this off season, uh, Crazy Uncle Jim up in Indianapolis gave Matt Gay a four-year, twenty-two point five million dollar contract with an Ooh. AAV of five point six two five million. Um, I can okay. go look for what. No, I just I just pulled it up. So like, okay, so they're the top five kickers in the league are are making or excuse me, these are cap hits. Okay, so the top five kickers in the league by cap hit are making or uh, excuse me, their their contract is a five million dollar cap hit. Um, against their team's books. So Harrison Butker, Graham Gano, Chris Boswell, Kaimi Fairbairn with Houston. That's hilarious. That's that cap hit. Um, and then Justin Tucker, all making somewhere between $5.1 and $5.9 million again against the cap. I don't know how much they're actually making. Beyond that, it's a bunch of four, three, two, one, and then dudes making nothing. Um, I don't, if I, if I see, okay, here. So Trey Wolf, for example, for the Titans just signed as a, a UDFA, his cap hit is uh, 751 thousand dollars and one uh, excuse me 751 106 who numbers my brain just broke for a second seven hundred and fifty one thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars against the cap um and then caleb shudak is the 30th most against the cap in the league at eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars against the cap so combined those two guys are uh, around 1.5 million against the Titans cap. Whereas some teams at most are attributing five ish million dollars to that guy. If you'd bring in a guy um, like, like uh, Robbie gold, for example, or any of these other veteran known commodities, you would assume, and, and maybe, maybe it's a situation where the, you know, it's a four year contract and they, they backload the contract, whatever the cap hit may be low for the first season. But, like with the guy who who we just talked about, Matt Gay in Indianapolis, you said it was a four year contract. Yeah, four years, twenty two point five million dollars. Yeah, I mean he's. I'm sure that they backloaded that a bit, but he's making yeah, his, three, his, million, three million dollars against the cap this year. Yeah. So th that's that's something that this Titans team. Last I checked, they're in the eleven ish million dollar cap space range. If if you're a fan holding on to the idea that this team could add a piece or two throughout the summer or into training camp or at the trade deadline before the trade deadline, for example, you need to hang on to whatever pocket change you have left. And $11 million is enough to go get an impact player or two, no doubt. But if you, if you put three or $4 million of that towards a kicker who's old and is unemployed for a reason, it, mind you, there's a reason why all these dudes are on the market. Okay. The, the, the Broncos didn't release their kick, their generational kicker. They've had around for a decade because they, thought he was a, still a great kicker they, they released it because they thought he lost a step and he's expensive right that's that's how these things work and so um i think that'd be foolish not only because this team is cash strapped but more importantly and the equi the equation would change a little bit jt if they didn't have a guy or a couple of guys in the building already that i know they have faith in that they have belief in that they see upside with but i think from what i've seen 
one guy in particular, Trey Wolf, the UDFA rookie that was signed by this team uh, less than a month ago out of shoot. Look up where he came from because I can't quite remember. Who, Trey Wolf? Yeah, Trey Wolf. Uh, Texas Tech. Okay, so Texas, the Texas Tech kicker, Trey Wolf, they sign him and bring him in to compete with Caleb Shudak, who was a rookie last year. I believe he was also a UDFA that was brought in and um, looked really, really good, mind you, last year in July and August when he was competing with Randy Bullock. There was some buzz early in camp about like this guy might push Bullock, like they may let Bullock go to, you know, just for the cheaper option for a guy that has some upside, the guy that they can develop that might can become a future guy for this team, a, a stalwart at the position, somebody that you can, because I mean, with special teams, guys, kicker, punter, long snapper, you, you want to set it and forget it, right? The ideal is you have a guy, you know, you want a great guy. You no, know, of course you want the best guy that there is, but as long as you've got a, an average to above average guy, you can set and forget for like a decade and just let them do their career. Never, you know, never let you down and, and just be that dude that like Brett Kern was or like Rob Baronis was like, it's looking like Ryan Stonehouse, maybe the next version of, that's the ideal situation so that you don't have to sit and talk about kickers and punters, right? No one wants to do that. I, I, from what I've seen from Trey Wolf, um, and part of the reason why a lot of folks, JT, were like, go get McManus is because, understandably so, Fat Randy, for all of his electricity that he brought to our lives as people that watch the Titans, he didn't have the biggest leg in the world. Um, he was known, I mean, we, we coined we trademarked the term the Randy zone on this show because when you were in the Randy zone, it was like the twilight zone. And if you were between 45 and 49 yards um, or heaven forbid more yards than that, you, you, you tighten up a little bit when he steps back there and, and is about to run up for that kick. There were more times than not that, that it ended up going poorly for him and for Titans fans. So naturally folks are like, we've got to get a guy in this building. Who's got a leg. And um, the Titan special teams coordinator, Craig Ackerman, who we spoke to on Tuesday before OTAs, was asked about leg power and distance and, and his quote that bothered a number of folks. But I think some folks chose to interpret it out of context and some folks chose to ignore what he's saying. It's technically true. While it's not what you want to hear, he talked about how, yeah, we're interested in having a guy who, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I, don't, I really don't think I'm misquoting him. We're looking to have a guy who has some distance and it's important to us to have range at the kicker position, no doubt. But what is most important to me as a special teams coordinator is that money zone of 40 to 49 yards in the forties. That's where you, you need to be able to hit and hit reliably. And if a team is within range for a 40 something yard kick, we can rely on you to go and execute and do your job and get us three points. It doesn't take a genius JT to be like, yeah, I'm guessing in terms of just when you break it down, you do the analysis, you look at the analytics on kicking, the most important range for kickers to be able to hit is that 40 to 49 yard range because it's not a it's not a chip shot field goal. And while more and more in today's league, we see guys line up for 52, 54, 57 yard field goals. And with some of them, you're like, this might be electric. They may make this thing. When Justin Tucker lines up for a 53 yarder, you're almost, I'm almost like, okay, he's, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to make it like a thousand percent. He's going to make this. It's going to be good by seven yards and it's going to be right on the middle. If you have a guy that is a stud in that 40 to 49 yard range. And then in the fifties, it's kind of a crapshoot, kind of a, a toss up. You know, he lines up for a 55 yard field goal and you're like, okay, if he misses this, it's not the end of the world, but he may make it half the time. That's really what you need in a kicker, right? It's, it's a bonus in my mind. And I get the league is changing. You need a guy with range. And I'd say, if you have a guy that is, 
you know, less than 50% from 50 to 55 yards, then that's not, not good. That's a problem. Or, or a guy like Riley Patterson, who some people were like, well, I think he only, I think he only attempted three 50 plus yard kicks last year and he made two of them. Why do you think he only attempted three? Why do you think um, Randy Bullock with the Titans the past two years attempted very, very few 50 plus yard field goal attempts? It's because the teams know their limitations and they're not dumb. They're, they're going to try their luck on fourth and one from across midfield instead of roll their kicker out there who they know has a noodle leg and who they know is, is more likely than not to miss this 54 yard field goal. And so like, that's, that's where stats need some more context there. So all of that being said, fans want distance. They want length. And they were upset that Ackerman was interested in that money range, which based on the rest of his comments, I don't think he, and I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with Ackerman because he's the just kind of the worst at the podium. Like he's, he's honestly kind of the worst. Um, he gives a, it's a lot of coach speak, a lot of platitudes, a lot of positivity. Uh, our guy, Paul Kaharski, who we, who we're a fan of uh, here on the 440 podcast network, he is particularly not a fan of Craig Ackerman. And it's kind of always a bit when Craig is coming out where everybody in the media scrum is like, Hey, Paul, it's your guy. Here we go. Get your questions ready. Um, he actually wasn't a surprise on Tuesday. It was going to be, they said the coordinators and we assumed offensive defensive first got to roll out with special teams. And everybody's like, Paul, here we go, baby. And Paul rolls his eyes. But um, all of that being said, Titans fans, if you are desperately interested in a guy with some range, I've got great news for you. You've got that dude on the roster already. His name is Trey Wolf. He was the UDFA that you signed after this year's draft from Texas Tech. And the concern with him is not his range. Okay. Like I can't tell you he made this kick. He didn't make this kick. He was this percentage in, in practice because that's against the rules. I can't tell you that. But just, and you, if you don't want to believe me, ask any other Titans me member that has been at rookie minicamp and was at OTAs last Tuesday, and they'll tell you the exact same thing. His leg, in terms of power, in terms of distance, is no, it is not an issue, like at all. Trust me on that. Okay, it's it's not an issue. What is the issue with him? What is the the question mark with him? Is accuracy. And again, I can't tell you how accurate or inaccurate he has been, but I can tell you while it's not like this guy's, you know, he's 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 not like a a, a rookie at the golf course just shanking him dead left. Um. He, he, it is a little bit of spray. It's a little bit of inaccuracy there that you're seeing him work through, progress through, try, try to coaches are trying to develop him through. And again, it's not been a massive sample size. Cause I don't know if anybody is really familiar with how the kicking portion of these team practices goes, but you get in team practice. I mean, the whole team doesn't stop for 30 minutes to let the kicker try 30 field goals. Like they go and do five, I'd say 10 max kicks during team portion, lining up for a proper field goal um, from different ranges. And so I've seen from um, from Trey Wolf uh, 12 to 18 kicks. So like small sample size. So I'm not going to say for sure I, I have a read on him as a player. But I, first of all, JT, I'm significantly more confident in a guy who has a crazy powerful leg to develop accuracy in the offseason than I am in a guy who is just deadly accurate from 45, 45 yards and in, but we're trying to get him to add seven yards of range. Like that's not really a thing you can do in one off season. One might argue you can't really do it at all. If so, it's marginal over the course of a career. And then you get old and you lose that distance. So if this guy's got the range, which I'm telling you, he does, 
the accuracy you're hoping the Titans team is hoping is going to come along and people ultimately JT, what this comes down to is name recognition, right? And people want, this is the same reason why anytime anybody of any household name value gets released by a team, it is, Hey, bring, bring us Julio Jones. Hey, bring us uh, uh Jadavian Clowney. Hey, bring us um, uh, golden Tate. Like it's, it's these dudes who are washed there. Bring us Adrian Peterson, right? Like it's these guys who there's a reason why he's a household name. They were studs, but now's the time to let them let's, let's let move, move on to greener pastures. Okay. Let's move on a little bit. They don't like the young guy you'd never heard of. And in particular, I'd say kickers and punters and, and JT. I'm curious if you, this is anecdotal, but I feel like we all agree on this of all the positions in football. Don't you think kicker and punter? are the two most like unpredictable voodoo transition positions from college to football. Like we see great college kickers disappear in the NFL. And then we see nobody's in college be studs. It's so, I don't know. I feel like college success for kickers and punters is the least applicable to the NFL. Does that, does that make sense to you? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I I think so. It's like, it's just random. It's just random and we shouldn't be, throwing our arms up and raising fists at a kicker or punter. I mean, you can, you can worry about that when it comes to week one, but until then you have to just trust that they, they know what they're doing and trying to develop some guys. And if not, they'll have to go for a veteran option who are still very much out there. Right. Um, so I'll, but- I'll wrap up my thoughts on this. My last thing I'll say here is the one thing that I think people are being foolish in saying is, and I, I saw uh, some, some of our peers talking about this, writing articles about this today, people we respect talking about how the Titans clearly aren't interested in fixing their their kicker problem. They're not paying attention to kicker problem. Man, I just don't see how you can say that when they have two young guys in the building who they have faith in, whether they should or should not. They have faith in these guys. They want to develop them, and they think that one of them can win the job and be their kicker of the future. By definition, that is them addressing the position. They're not going with what they had. They brought in a guy last year who didn't really play much, was injured, and they brought in another guy to compete with him this year, both young, both with a lot of potential. So I think that I'm confident personally in Trey Wolf winning this job. I think that he's going to. And if not, I think Caleb Shudak also has promise. So this idea that they're not addressing the problem, I think is plainly false. If your argument as a fan is, I think that they're addressing it poorly, knock yourself out, man, have a, have a ball, have a blast. That's, that's, you are entitled to your opinion, but they are addressing it. So if you're wanting to take issue with it, just say that you don't like the way that they're, they're addressing the problem because they are. All right, we can move on. Yeah. Are you ready to move on after 20 minutes of kickers, kicker talk? Listen, to be fair, we don't do kicker talk on this show ever. It's the kicker episode. I'm about to say, I did 20 minutes of kicker today so that for the next 364 days, we cannot talk about kicker ever again. There you go. Okay. Um, Let's do a a couple of quick hits here and then we'll be able to get out of here because I I don't think, not could be wrong. The over's already hit. Let's be honest. Yeah. All right. The over actually already has hit. Um, What what was the line? What was the number? (laughs) Uh, It was 28 and a half. So damn. I hate that. That's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll be close to that. Um, Let's talk about Tier Tart, who was at OTAs. Um, but there was a couple of questions around him because of course Tier Tart has not signed his free agent tender. Um, his RFA I believe he's tender. the only guy in the entire league. He is genuinely um, that has not signed the tender. So it was a little funny. interesting why he wasn't there, but then we found out that uh Tart 
signed some sort of protection agreement to be here. So it's good to see him that he wants to be here and he's doing, sure. but what, what is your take on it? Do you think they're just maybe working on a different contract behind the scenes and that he's holding out to the very, very last minute to sign that RFA tender? So I don't know from the Titans perspective, I was kind of surprised when they tendered him. Maybe I'm a little over my skis or a little bit too high on TR Tart, but he's always been a guy on this team since before last season when he kind of broke out that I was a, a fan of that I thought would be a nice guy to keep around. To me, JT, he compliments Jeffrey Simmons on the inside really well, and he's the body type and style of athlete, style of player that is perfect for what the Titans want in their interior defensive line. They want dudes that are literally just going to get in the way they are they are ferocious when it comes to rushing the passer and collapsing the pocket from the inside but when it comes to run blocking in particular they can just be bodies they can just be in the way and they're really difficult not only to go through but god forbid try to move out of the way if you're you're an offensive lineman tier tarts that dude like he looks like a bigger version of Jeffrey. Like I'm trying to say this in a non derogatory way, like a less athletic version, but bigger, just mass person than Jeffrey Simmons is. And they complement each other well in that way. Cause Jeffrey's more of the slightly undersized for the position and then not really, but slightly undersized, I guess for his build, for his frame as compared to the position. And it allows him to get after the quarterback a lot and be kind of a, a game record from the inside with Tart. He's more that traditional nose tackle, defensive tackle guy that can just be the big body. And so they work well together. And I think Tart, has the juice to, I mean, we saw last year, he went from being a rotational player to really being a starter, and he excelled in that position. He worked really well in that position. He's not had a lot of injury concerns. He's been available. He's been a good team player. He's been great in the locker room when we get to talk to him. He seems to be liked by the coaches. So I just thought they'd give this guy, you know, give him a two, three-year deal. Like, let's 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 make this guy a Titan. I thought they'd want to do that. They didn't. They, they tendered him. But this kind of makes me think, okay, maybe the tender was an insurance. You know, where we were, hey, Tier, we're going to try to get a contract done. We would like to keep you around on some sort of medium to long-term deal. Um, but we're going to we're gonna tender you because we have that option because you're a restricted free agent. And if it doesn't, you know, if we can't figure something out, then fine. You'll play for the Titans this year. We'll readdress it after next season. Um, but we would like to get something worked out. And for him to show up, because it, it would have been perfectly reasonable, if he wasn't there, we'd, we'd have said on Wednesday's show, hey, you know, he, he wasn't there, but of course he's not there. He, you know. Not only does he have a, a contract dispute going on right now, but like if you don't have a, some sort of insurance or injury protection when you come to an NFL training camp or mini camp or whatever it may be, some sort of organized activity, you're a moron. You, <laughs> we've seen dudes in the legitimately there have been guys in the past who tragically have had career ending injuries and didn't have protections. And now I think the NFL PA mandates those kind of things. Um but like that's why we didn't see Kiaris Jackson, for example, at rookie, rookie minicamp. He was there. He was physically throwing his support behind the team. I'm a team player. I want to be here, but we don't have the contract situation figured out. So of course I'm not going to run. I'm just going to stand here. Are you crazy? If I pop an Achilles, like Titans aren't obligated to pay for my medical bills, and they're not obligated to keep me around and pay me. I can be unemployed on the breadline. So with Tart there, that tells us, hey, this guy wants to be around. I think he wants to be a Titan. And it just makes me more and more confident than, yeah, they're they're probably working on some kind of deal that will come down the, the pike. I don't know what the deadline is for when the the actual RFA tender kicks in. You know what I mean? Like when it you no longer can negotiate a contract. I'm not sure. I'll look into that. But yeah, I think he's I think that they're working on a contract. I think he's going to be around. 
Let's move on to a pretty interesting topic here in Titans of Old. Some guys sure. who were in the um, executive of office. Path, exactly, say. right? Um, so let's talk about the old GM, J-Rob. He was a cited er, a little J-Rob action. He uh-huh. was cited earlier this week at um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers OTAs. So yeah. he and he does have a connection there. He used to um, be in that front office, but I don't think they actually brought him on for a actual that's position that's been announced no. um but he was there for their ota so that was quite interesting and then ryan calden who we saw earlier um this offseason kind of uh leave the titans he was hired by the giants for what was quote unquote a role in their front office which we later learned was his title is executive advisor to the general manager so um ah uh, yeah quite, quite assistant the to the regional manager per the yeah, office exactly. that's his that's his title basically he is Dwight yes. Schrute over there that I mean so yeah J-Rob citing nothing no opinion on that like he, he used to work with Jason Light down there in Tampa Bay and maybe he'll emerge in that role in some role for the Tampa Bay front office or maybe he's just hanging out in Florida you know he's a rich guy he's, he may take a year off and just enjoy his time in the sand with the, with the, some sandals on walking around Buccaneers training camp because he's a football head and can't get enough of it with Ryan Cowden, I just think it's funny that they gave him that title. Um, and go, I mean, good for him. He was one of the top three guys in the finalist c- discussion for the Titans new GM role. It was he and Monty Austin Fort as the two in-house candidates. And then Rand Carthen, right, maybe it was four Rand Carthen. And um, I forget who the, I think there was a fourth external option, but I forget. Anyways, it, he, they were in the final running and ultimately it didn't end up going to them. Um, and he, Monty Austin Fort lands on his feet a little bit better, I guess, than Ryan Cowden did, but you know, maybe he'll work his way up in the Giants organization. But uh, yeah, that that's all there is to say on that. Finally, Ty J Spears uh, officially came to an agreement with the Titans on his contract. We don't really have any numbers yet. I imagine we'll talk about this more on Monday's episode yeah. when we figure out all the details. But good to see them uh, locking down Ty J Spears. Yeah, yeah. Good to see Ty J Spears locked down. I believe that is everybody... On, I may be totally making this up. They've signed the majority of their rookies now. I forget yes, who they the, have. The, the majority of them, I believe. I they don't have know signed. if Skaronsky is signed yet. I don't know if Levis is signed yet. But I, I don't know, think those two. I think I know I think the four Tyje final guys. And then the um, the last uh, three other draft picks: Dowell, Wiley, um, uh, Duncan, the, Duncan, and yeah, Duncan and Spears have all signed for sure. And I, I want to say maybe they signed one of those other two, but I'm not sure. Point is, we're getting close to them being done with that, and we can quit talking about it. And uh, with that, JT, we have no other things to talk about today. So while I was right that it is the shortest episode that we've ever done together because it is sub 40 minutes, um, it doesn't quite hit the Vegas number. So enjoy your cash ticket on the over. And we'll be back on Monday. First thing Monday morning, we'll have uh, some things to talk about. I have some some more not not made up topics, but, you know, some offseason topics that are not current events that I'd just like to discuss philosophy wise for this Titans team. Uh, into next season some things that i think folks will find very interesting with our special guest who's going to come on and talk about an article of his that i wrote that i found really interesting on wednesday we'll be back at otas look for the ota number two wrap up that we will do um in the mid to late portion of next week and then another guest that we may or may not have on next week if we don't we'll have him on the following week to talk about um some some things that we disagree on for the, for the Titans future and some things that we do agree on. And I think he's just a great guy. You're going to enjoy getting to hear from him. So two or three episodes for you next week. Make sure to tune in for that until then, then. You're, you're forgetting the Am biggest part of the episode. Oh no. 
you're, you're forgetting it. They're, I'm oh no! Everyone's, I almost, I almost got so canceled by my own viewers. I almost got, got canceled by wow. our own guys. Once I am again, so sorry. I saved the show. I you saved do. the show once you again. You did save the because, show. You did. Uh, because we talked about all this stuff, there's something super important that many people have been banging the table, yelling at us for. And look at look, Easton almost forgot again. Wow. Well, I was going to if you weren't here. I yep. was a thousand percent going to. And I'm looking at it on my screen. It's right here in our rundown. We have three reviews to read. Um, <laughs> thanks for the reviews. <laughs> I promised I care about them. I just keep forgetting about them at the end of the show. Um, we do have three reviews, the first of which comes from uh, a horseman of the show. We, we haven't mentioned the horseman, by the way. If you'd like to be a horseman, you could still become a horseman. You just have to prove to us that you're an everydayer on this show. If you are somebody that has been around listening to the show for a long time and you really enjoy the show, um horseman gets some special perks some special access is all i'll say so if you think you might be a horseman leave best way leave a five-star review a five-star rating rather then write a review saying that you'd like to become a horseman and give us your credentials how 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 devoted to this show are you and how interested are you in having a little bit of extra access to uh to me and jt and to folks in the titans organization that being said one of our already established horsemen of the hot read apocalypse logan uh, he gave us this review a couple of weeks ago, and we appreciate you, Logan, for all of the support you give us. He said, not claiming this. This is back when we were doing horseman auditions, by the way, not claiming the horse, the fourth horseman spot because us four horsemen are all elite. Yes, he was already a horseman at the time, I suppose. The others claiming to be the fourth are admitting their own flaws and reasoning in the first four out conversation. Easton, you are great. But uh, how about some love for producer JT? Fair. The man behind the curtain who keeps the show rolling, fixes all flaws, eh, and doesn't beg for clout because he knows his value. <laughs> a man who works behind the scenes without demanding attention knows his value is already undervalued. And then we got another one from a, another guy who's also a horseman of the Hot Read Apocalypse. Jimmy Fleming said, loves listening to Easton and JT. Incredible, in, incredibly informative, rather. And love the nuanced and thought-provoking takes. Not banging the table to be the fourth horseman, but letting my listening history speak for itself. Shout out the Titans 10 top 1.1% per, incoming grit. Don't quit. Appreciate you, Jimmy, and all of your support that you give us in the kind words. And then from uh, Nick, do you know this person, JT? Or no? Um, I, Not really. Okay. Uh, Nick parodies or paradise. He gives us this review. We appreciate the five-star review. He says, love this show. JT is so sexy. I love him and want to be with him forever. Oh, wow. So if, if you don't know this person, they seem to know you. Um, maybe yeah. you should change your locks, change your phone number. I don't know. <laughs> I, might, um, I might have to. I'm, also, I'll, the I'll tell you what. Also, the I'll, show I'll is cool. I'll tell you what. Um, I'm not giving out my phone number on here any anytime <laughs> soon. I'm like you. That, that's I for sure. That. Yeah. If people want my phone number, I, they know where to find it. Well, they know that they can find it. They'll have to hunt for it. Um, now I can close the show. Uh, last reminder, if you want your comments and reviews mentioned on the show and, and a shout out, uh, leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Much appreciated. Consider it a personal favor. It really helps us out to have those five-star reviews, and it takes 10 seconds. Like, just, just do it for our sake. I really appreciate it. Until Monday, when we'll be back talking with our special guest, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. For producer JT, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>